You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. Jort's Letter Elissa and her band had been traveling the back country for many days on a rough road bordering the wilderness that was the Great Weald. To travel such a remote track in the course of her lord's tour was certainly impractical. No official business or courtly duties would be attended to in these untamed reaches. But to Elissa, this was perhaps the most important stop on her journey, and the one she had been looking forward to most. The road they traveled spiraled up the green bulk of a hill, which rose up to look out over the sea of trees that surrounded them. As they rounded a turn, the silhouette of a grand citadel came into view. The castle's pointed turrets soared skyward, and the structure abounded with ornate archways and graceful carvings. Even at this distance, the queen could discern the incredible amount of plant life which had grown up, around, and through the building itself. Powerful tree roots worked their way up ancient stone walls to spread their branches above the battlements. The largest of the turrets was clothed almost entirely in a verdant robe of ivy, which wove its way throughout the magnificent structure. There was a softness to the fortress wrought not only by the long ages it had stood, but also the gentleness of the plants which sprouted from its every crack and crevice. Vines had twined their way between the numerous towers and swayed lazily in the midday breeze. Tiny dots of bright yellow twinkled gaily in the mellow light daisies that had taken root between those loose cobbles that formed the walls and floors. From the tallest spire there rippled a green and white flag, emblazoned with the image of a powerful oak tree. This was the Lannan family crest, and Alyssa's heart lifted to see it flying high and clear amongst those overgrown parapets. It's beautiful, murmured Gwarth. The travelers came to a stop, admiring the castle, half claimed as it was by the wildness of the surrounding lands. Netcher tilted his head upward to behold the bulk which cast a shadow over him. Marvelous! Durkee and Negwin had come to this place before, traveling with Queen Elissa on a previous lord's tour. They allowed Gwarth and Netcher their fresh delight upon seeing the place for the first time, and they too were moved once more by its beauty. But Alyssa, who had known this place her whole life, was moved most of all. 
for this was the venerable Greenbrier Citadel, once the home of Nars Lannan, sire to her bloodline, and the procession of peaceful rulership which had flourished in the green country since his place on the throne. That legendary green-taken king had dwelled here with his love, the Leaf Queen of the Lost House. And now it was the home of her dear brother, Jort. "'Shall we go knock on the door?' asked Elissa merrily. The guards spurred their horses onward, and Netcher gave the reins a shake, and the carriage began to trundle forward, resuming its course up the inclined road. They soon arrived at the gatehouse, but found it empty, and, as no gate barred their entry, they entered the courtyard of the citadel. Gwarth cast his gaze back, curious about the fortifications, and spied a heavy gate of iron lattice, suspended above the wide archway. Judging from the tangle of roots and morning-glory vines that clung to it, it had not been used in many years. Such things are signs of peaceful times, he thought to himself. As they came to a halt in the center of the courtyard, a large, brightly colored shape dropped from one of the high windows that ringed the interior and glided down swiftly, a blur of red and yellow feathers. With precision, the great bird came to light on the branch of one of the many trees which grew in the court. Its beak was arched and golden, and the sunflower yellow feathers of its wings terminated in tips of brilliant red. It eyed the visitors with great curiosity, and then opened its beak and let out a melodious warble that echoed off the high, mossy walls. A stirring could be heard from within the great structure, the pattering of feet, a clattering sound, an excited shout, and then at last the tall oak doors creaked open to reveal a small, old, clericon woman, dressed in a flowing robe of dark green, with a cap to match. She pushed a pair of spectacles up the bridge of her nose and surveyed the visitors as she strode forward. Elissa, is that you?' she called out as she walked. "'Master Valena!' cried Elissa, and raced up to meet the small woman. She knelt down, and the two embraced. The bird called out once more, clearly excited by this influx of strangers. "'Hush, Chalabek! I know we have company. Why else would I be out here?' She lovingly chided the golden bird, then turned her attention back to Elissa. "'It's so wonderful to see you, Ellie. Jort said that you would be arriving soon.' Elissa smiled upon hearing the name Ellie. It was an affectionate name Valena had taken to using with Elissa, after hearing her brother Jort call her that. Though Elissa was older than the Cluricon woman by centuries— she couldn't help but feel that Valena was something like a grandmother to her. And you, Valena, you look well. Elissa introduced her companions, though Valena, sharp as ever, easily recalled the names of Durkey and Negwin. And where is Jort? asked Elissa, no longer able to contain her curiosity. 
she had been expecting to see his easy smile and tangle of red hair marching out the door at any moment. Ah, your brother, of course. Out on another one of his expeditions. He had hoped to be back before you arrived, but alas, punctuality is not one of Jort's strong suits. I imagine he'll return tomorrow or the next, though he did leave you a letter. Valena paused and surveyed the queen and her entourage once more. Follow me. You lot look like you could use a bite to eat and a cup of hot bramble mint. Then she turned her attention to Netcher. We've even got plumberry biscuits. Baked them myself yesterday. Netcher raised his eyebrows at the mention of that favorite Cluricon confection and quickly followed after. They walked through a maze of halls, passing through high-ceilinged chambers and winding corridors. Here and there, they passed the other occupants of the castle. A tall fox with a peaceful-looking face, older too, as his fur was going white. In his arms, he carried a rack of blue glass vials, each with a tiny and magnificent blossom poking out. An open door gave them a view into an extensive workshop, crammed full with books, plants, and pieces of elaborate equipment. An elfin man and a face-elf woman, operating one such device, looked up as they passed and offered a friendly wave. Greenbrier Citadel served many purposes. Shrine, magical workshop, school, hermitage, Folk of all sorts came to the castle from across the green country and beyond. Though their talents, skills, and histories varied greatly, each shared one thing in common. They had found their way to that remote fortress because of the lost house. Greenbrier served as a conduit to the hidden denizens of that unseen tribe whose presence was so fundamental to the life of the forest kingdom. Valena led them past a series of small rooms whose walls were open to the woodland below. Within these cells sat varying folk in solitary meditation, gazing out at the lush canopy before them. At last they reached their destination, a warm and inviting study, and settled into a row of worn but comfortable chairs, awaiting the delicious refreshments that Valena had promised them. She saw to the other guests before setting down a plate of toasty biscuits smeared with generous gobs of purple-black jam next to Elissa, along with a letter. I'm surprised he remembered to leave this for you. She smiled and shuffled out of the room to brew some more bramble mint tea. Yellow-green light filtered into the room through a bay of windows, nearly overgrown with ivy. Elissa munched a cookie and took the letter in her hands. Jort's chaotic hand had scribbled Ellie on the outside of the folded paper. She opened the letter and stopped chewing almost immediately. It was short, and the message, if she understood its meaning correctly, was nothing short of earth-shaking. It read, Elissa, I was right! At long last, I've found them. They plan to return. The lost house. 
after so many years. But all is not well, dear sister. A threat looms. So much more to tell. Sorry to make you wait. God's willing, I will be home soon. All my love, Jort. P.S. I imagine you're eating one of Valena's plumberry biscuits while you read this. Brilliant, aren't they? Elissa swallowed the mouthful of biscuit, which had lost its flavor, and it dawned on her then that everything was about to change. The End If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!